Hi everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. How are you? How is it September already? The last few weeks, guys, have been a complete blur. There's so much to cover. It's been a long way through this footy season. We really have come a long way. For those of you who listen, I'm sure you recognize my bestie, Toondale Aniran, who just released some new music with their album, Ephemerality, wherever you get your music. But that track is with Tishmal called Long Way. We really do have so much to process and go through, though, guys, because so much has happened. Truthfully, I planned to be back sooner, and I kept thinking about what we discuss, you know, and then another monumental thing would happen, and then it just kept snowballing into this big, giant, I don't even know, portal, I guess, Doctor Strange style with this never-ending depth, which we'll get to walk through (laughs) together, hopefully. Well, really, hopefully nothing major will be announced following this or at any time, (laughs) at the time of this recording anyway. Might want to grab some popcorn for this one, though, because it's going to be a while. So we are now through the complete final series, and we've got the grand final this weekend, Geelong v. Sydney. So much has been happening off the field and behind the scenes. But first, just a quick rewind. I have been so busy with work and family and friends visiting. So Toon Day came out for a photo shoot and an interview. And my brother came to visit for a week. And our really good friends came from Boston and Dallas. We have to talk about the Mets because Andrew and I have been going to a lot of games. First, we went with a friend on the hottest day of summer over here to a Mets game. But on that particular day, it was the surface of the sun outside. I swear, I was completely Essendon, like, sash red all over. I was wondering how the players weren't passing out on the field because it was an outdoor sauna, really. There was no escaping the heaviness. But the funniest part was that our friend didn't know anything about baseball. Genuinely not even the sports cliches, which is immediately what comes to mind Well, most of them, I feel, like come from sports, especially baseball, you know, the bases, like getting to second or third and going home, hitting a home run, striking out, all of that. So it's kind of fun to just be with someone who, I mean, they're not from here. I guess it's just so American of me to assume that everyone knows, even if you've never been to a game or played it, that you know the general rules around America's pastime. But when we were screaming like, go home, go home. You know, I had to explain that's actually how you score in the game, not like physically leave the stadium and go to your residence, We like to our own players. So that was a really fun experience. And I'm happy to report, and yes, you will be seeing this photo later on Insta, that we attended the separate games to get bobbleheads of Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, and Gary Cohen, the legendary commentator team for the Mets. I'm not a bobblehead person, but it may or may not be my most prized possession. They all kind of connect together. And yeah, they're currently on our media council. So (laughs) don't judge me. 
Andrew and I also went to last week tonight with John Oliver. For anyone who has HBO, I'm a big fan of him. He's a British commentator, like I guess comedian really. Sidebar, if you are planning a trip out here and you just need some tips on attending shows or any of the Broadway lotteries, I've got you. Back to John Oliver. They are in their ninth season and you can only ever see the show once. So that was a really great experience. And I'll drop that on Insta too. But yeah, it was fun playing tourist in the city again. And I mean, we'll get into it more later, but tell me what you're up to and how you're feeling about this weekend. I really need those little injections of joy in my day. And I want to know who you think is going to take it all in the grand final this weekend too. AFL footy obsessed at Gmail and AFL obsessed on socials. But now let's get into it, guys, and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in NYC and abroad. So yeah, just all of my favorite things in the last month. I went to quite a few Broadway shows, A Strange Loop, that won the Tony for Best Musical this year, a really important work. I'm so happy it's out. Um, We saw Moulin Rouge again and Dear Evan Hansen, which we will talk about more later because of a sequence of events, but they closed on September 18th. So I haven't seen the film yet, but I want to know your thoughts. And I've been watching a lot of TV guys to decompress from everything that's been happening around us. Um, I guess Ms. Marvel, Only Murders in the Building, we binged that for two seasons, House of the Dragon. So definitely at me if you're watching any of the shows. I have literally no one to talk about (laughs) with. Um, And The Queen Past. So there's been some lovely tributes and lots of programming incorporated over here. Oh, and as for podcasts, the very first pod I ever listened to, my friend Sky basically forced me to listen to Serial Season 1, and that was ultimately how I got into podcasts. But Adnan Syed from that first season, he has been released from prison after I think he's been in prison for two decades. So that's been an interesting update. I want to know what you think about that if you listened. And The Teacher's Pet which was probably my second or third pod I ever listened to. Um, Chris Dawson has been convicted and you can now listen to the podcast in Australia. I know for a really long time it was blocked, but I want to know your thoughts on that too. As for what's happening in the city, the UN Assembly is going on this week, the United Nations General Assembly. So traffic is in complete gridlock in Manhattan. You can't get around anywhere quickly and You know, I'm just waiting for it to be over. Not that part of it, but the traffic part of it. (laughs) But now let's get to footy and on to act one with AFL headlines and highlights in our last week of the season. Luckily, AFLW is on, so I have more time to obsess over the greatest game. And shout out to the women who saved the day again because, well, Essen did, (laughs) but... Just a few things of note, and I feel that I really, really want to chat about. Carlton were in the eight for the entire season until the final round, and they kind of just dropped out and didn't make it to the final series. So that was a really heartbreaking ending for all my Carlton friends and fans. I want to know what you think about it, if that's your club. But congrats because Patty Cripps won the Brownlow, and they did have five players in the all-Australian squad, so it was just really crazy that even though they have, you know, their new coach, that that kind of just happened at the end of their season. Again, heartbreaking fashion. Don't worry, I feel you as a supporter of a different club. Melbourne also 
was really dominant through the first half of the season. And it just goes to show how long the season really is because they ended up ending in like a similar way. Obviously, they made it to the finals. We thought maybe they'd take it all the way to the end. I was kind of, you know, hoping that they would be able to get the cup in front of their own. We've been talking about it all season. So, you know, next year, I'm sure they'll be fighting back. But yeah, the great finals games, some of the best games I've ever seen, guys. Excellent. Apart from, I would say, the one prelim final, all of the games are really close. I think the game has been much better than it's been recently. And Collingwood, I feel, just really (laughs) reminds me of the anxiety that I have when I watch my team because they had all of these narrow victories. They're so exciting to watch. Surely we were all thinking, you know, they can't keep doing it. And at the end, that one point lost to Sydney. Those last two to five minutes were some of the craziest footy I think I've ever seen. I would have been very nervous to be on either side of that. Again, they have a new coach. So yeah, a couple of the things that happened following some of the games, I remembered they accidentally played the Richmond theme song when they got knocked out. So that was kind of interesting. But I will say on FS1 here, the Collingwood v. Sydney match, it came down to the wire. And I'm really sorry to say this for my American fans. I did have Watch AFL on at the same time, thankfully, but they cut the feed in the last, like, I don't know, 53 seconds of the game when all of the action came down to the end of it. And I mean, I can't even imagine just seeing that for the first time, falling in love with the game or just really kind of being behind all that height and drama. And then it's just cut. So I hope you know what happened. But yeah, a couple of really sweet moments from the end of the season. I have never teared up so much watching Hurley in his last game. He finally made it back to the seniors after everything he's been through. And he kicked our final goal. So, you know, thank you to everyone who made that happen, who was a part of that. And also for our champ, you know, please come back to footy in some capacity please come back to the club I really feel like now more than ever we need you but I'm just so happy that you were able to bookend your career with that and I'm really glad that we were able to give him that moment for his you know everlasting legacy in his mind and just every to kind of wrap up his career too also when David Mundy ended his season with Frio they had a heartbreaking game towards the end and just seeing him consoling his son who was crying after their game loss took them out of contention. It's just some of the sweetest moments ever. And thank you to Mundy for just being a champion of the game too. He played how many games and he was never suspended once. So what a great legacy he's leaving. And meanwhile, both Josh Kennedy's retired from Sydney and West Coast. I know there's kind of this ongoing speculation, at least for me, you know, the debate about who won the Chris Judd trade in the end. So West Coast got Kennedy and a bunch of draft picks and Carlton got Chris Judd. In the end, maybe West Coast won it. I don't know, looking back at the 13 years or so, tell me what you guys think. I'm really curious about, you know, who you think won that trade in the end. Okay, it's intermission. So during this time, let's just cut to other sports. In tennis, Serena Williams and Roger Federer both announced their retirements. And an Australian player actually beat Serena in the U.S. Open, so that was really exciting to see. We were kind of following along. We had that on our TV the entire time. 
um, for all you tennis fans, I really, really want to know what you think about the retirements. And college football. So Mason and Max Fletcher are both punting here at U.S. universities. Mason for Cincinnati and Max for Arkansas. They punted against each other in a big game of fo- like college football. So Fletchy and Susie came over to see their sons. They were all over our screens and feeds. Just this family reunion. I really loved seeing that cross-continental not love affair, but maybe it's, you know, kind of a novelty to see that. And I just really adored being able to share that with Aussie fans, too. And college students are now getting paid for their name, image and likeness. This is the first season they're able to cash in on that. And it's a game changer. So hopefully they're able to. Honestly, universities have been winning off of their backs for so long. Hopefully they're able to pocket some of that themselves and, you know, just Keep on earning more before they become professional. And the NFL is back. Thankfully, a great distraction for me. I really needed the distraction because, as I mentioned, my club, I've been following my favorite QBs. The Buffalo Bills look excellent. They beat up on the Rams in the opener, the season opener. And it's kind of interesting to see the game now exclusively is on Amazon Prime for some nights. So it really did remind me of that huge rights deal that the AFL signed. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how far these teams go and what will happen because the Rams did win last year. But all QBs have to, quarterbacks, have to study tape. It's part of their job. And baby Kyler Murray, you know, re-signed an extension with the Cardinals um, at the end of July, a five-year, like, staggering 230.5 mil contract extension. But it included a clause that requires him to spend four hours per game week on independent study. Like, basically watching that game film that I just mentioned, he's not a student. I guess the perception was that he wasn't doing that enough, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. Would you have put that into a white player's contract? You know, make with that what you will. I am curious about your thoughts, though, because that was just an interesting clause that I haven't seen, and it's kind of a slap in the face. And we got to talk about the Mets again. They've had a magical season. I know. Please just allow me to get, you know, into it more. It's been really fun to watch. They've qualified for the playoffs already. But obviously, they want to secure a good position in the playoffs. So they're locked in this duel with the Atlanta Braves to win their division. And the Braves won the World Series last year. So it's not going to be easy. But if there was a club anywhere in the AFL that the Mets remind me of, it would have to be Frio. You know, Yankees are like West Coast. They're this Goliath of an organization. And the Mets kind of have this counterculture. I guess it's really hard to describe. They're kind of like that. You know, our mascots have been relentlessly mocked, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Mets. Google them if you haven't seen them. I think they're really cute. You know, they're like this obscure second team. I see the Yankees, I feel like, logo anywhere I go in the world. You know, even on hats, I see that and why. But the Metropolitans, you know, I love the team. We're the Amazons. Okay, they haven't won a World Series since 1986. Um, In a 30-team league, it's not that big of a drought. But I feel like winning the National League with the 15 teams is kind of like winning the AFL Grand Final. 
So there's 15 teams in the National League, roughly like a similar difficulty to win an AFL Grand Final. And the last time the Mets won was, you know, the National League, I guess, was in 2015. So everyone thinks of them as not being as successful compared to the Yankees. But, you know, they won the National League in 2000 and in 2015. So I would argue they're not as unsuccessful as they've been made out to be. <laughs> you know, roughly every 15 years on average, I guess that's when you're supposed to win it. So I'm cheering them on. I'm going to continue to watch them. I'm going to continue to go to the games and I'm going to continue to talk about it here. <laughs> Thanks for letting me get that out, guys. But now we're on to act two where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. And literally grab that large suitcase, guys, because we have a lot to unpack. I honestly just want to lie down to, on the couch to get through this because this is simultaneously, if you haven't figured out already, a therapy session for me. So Essendon, yes, we have to talk about the self-implosion of the club. Basically, whatever the opposite of what I envisioned for our 150th and this huge celebration. Pocketing that to the side, I will say North has been looking for a coach for half of the season. Noble quit end of July because the players basically quit on him. And Clarko was maybe interviewing for the role. Nothing was really leaked. I'm sure they sign a hardened NDA of some kind, but I think we all just assumed they would be chasing and hoping to land the master coach that is Alistair Clarkson. Okay, file that in the back of your head. Cut back to Essendon. The self-implosion is something that I've never seen before in sport where you shoot yourself in the foot. So in the final round, after round 22, I guess the second to last round, our president suddenly stepped down because he was pushed out and he had backed Chuck, our coach. So that led to a whole series of unfortunate events. I don't know how other way to put it, where ultimately the CEO also stepped down and some board members. And at the same time that this was happening, the club tried to launch a last ditch effort to hire Clarko. The same time that I just spoke about how North may or may not be after him, I've never heard of going after another coach when someone's in the position in any sport. If you don't like your current coach, fire them and get a new one. So first of all, you know, I wanted to keep Rutten. I have my theories about how it all went down. We can get into that another time. But I really do feel like the board started undermining him by making this public last-ditch effort to get another coach. And I think we as supporters and otherwise just all assumed that there must be some back-channel communication with Clarko. At the same time, there was no way in my mind that I felt Clarko would accept the role because... Well, for one, the position isn't even available. There's currently someone in the role. And two, if I were Clarko, all of you know this, but looking to Essendon as my future employer, I would be thinking this is how you would treat me if I were your coach. Sidebar, not so sidebar. What the F? <laughs> as a board, 
Yes, I'm looking at you, Essendon board members. You are supposed to have clear purpose, strategy, vision, values. And those are the things that you have to stick to when times get tough. That's when those values are tested. So it's, do you really believe in those values? Honestly, do you care? Do you really show care for your key employees? Instead of using the person as a placeholder, forcing them to walk through the parking lot, past board members daily, facing the media, having your players wonder, why haven't you been fired yet? If the board members had those values, I don't think this would have happened. We wouldn't have let this media circus show happened. And honestly, I really feel like as board members, you are supposed to obey and embody those values. You know, it's the tone from the top. And by the way, don't come for me. I've read the entire constitution as a member of the club. For Truck, you know, I really wish we could rewind for him and go back to that Monday before it happened and just basically tell him, you know, you were fired on that day or we're just going to reinforce you as the man in that role. It's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. I really feel like the club did everything they could to undermine him. So following that, as the coach, you would always think I'm their second choice no matter what. Honestly, I think we've identified where the culture issues lie, guys. Um, You know, where does the balance of power sit, I guess, is what I really want to know. Because we do have some people on the board that we consider to be Essendon royalty, and I feel like we will defer to them. So, yeah, this kind of toxic behavior, if no one is held accountable, what really worries me is that it will erode the culture and do further damage over time. And, you know, I don't know how to stop the bleeding. We've obviously, like, moved on, but this will drag through trade period. It will affect our draft, maybe. You know, losing, I think, brings out all the cracks that get covered up when you win. But I really do think... As a club, we have an obligation to preserve and protect the mental health, yes, of the players, but also there's a duty of care for the coach, too, and especially the head coach. So in the final round after the game, Richmond, our opponents, the entire team went up to him and hugged him. He used to be their assistant coach. And yeah, it was kind of shitty. They showed better care for him than our own club. You could see Truck tearing up in the back room. And all of the players, like I said, thank you really to Richmond for treating him with dignity and respect far more than our own team did. So again, we all assume that there was this back channel of communication going on between the club and Clarko, but it turns out it was very different. So I'm cut to me in the theater watching Dear Evan Hansen at intermission, and I see that North announced Clarko's appointment. They were bringing him home. He used to be a player there. They managed to land the coup of getting the master coach. So, like I said, we assume there was this back channel of communication. It just turned out they were just incompetent. I mean, we were laughed out of the room. I was in the theater basically shaking at intermission, and then I had to kind of ride out the rest of the musical Already in this cringe state, but just knowing that, well, are we even going to have a coach when I get out of the show? So following the last round, Essendon did fire Rutten. The most insane story, right, guys? I mean, just you wait, just you wait. 
So now we're in a position where we're also trying to attract players at the club without a CEO, without a coach, with a list manager whose position, unsurprisingly, isn't, you know, necessarily guaranteed. So they aren't having much luck. (laughs) And in a period where people are moving around, no one's really put up their hand to come our way. The trade period is coming up. The board basically made it all about them in a way that, yeah, it's still, I, clearly I haven't gotten over. You know, they got in the way of the club's daily operations and functioning. And I would think that as a board, one of the fundamental things would be to do no harm to the team on the field. So they have appointed a special group, um, an external group, which does include Jordan Lewis um, and some other notable peeps. And they are looking to appoint and they're in the interview process to find our next coach. And there's been a lot of names thrown out there. Solomon, Brendan Laid, I think he coached Port briefly. Kinkley has been mentioned. I don't think that's real. Adam Uze and Hurdy. Brad Scott maybe on the sidelines who really knows, like I said, NDA. And a host of coaches have ruled themselves out of the process too, like Ross Lyon. So yeah, more on this later. We'll see. I think once the grand final is over, we may or may not know who will be appointed. But I really hope that it isn't just, I mean, I hope that the process is thorough is all I'll say at this moment. More on this later. I do have to say, in keeping with the Dear Evan Hansen theme, I just have a small little note. Dear EFC, and I mean Essendon footy community, winky face, today is going to be a great day, and here's why. Our story has already been eclipsed by other news, and Essendon can't hurt you anymore this season. Still with me, guys? Before we get into this next part, I just have to throw out a content warning and a trigger warning that there could be some upsetting topics if you're listening with kids around. You know, fast forward and come back. Um, I am going to address the article that Russell Jackson published for ABC. And it was about, well, I'm just going to read the title, Hawthorne Racism Review to allege that former coaches separated First Nations players from families and demanded a pregnancy termination. Okay, so the word scandal doesn't even give the scope of what the article encompasses, the disaster piece that is the news that is coming out of the aftermath of the release of this article. So I think Tuesday night here, 5 p.m. our time, this article came out and explosive, deplorable, Shocking, I don't even have the right words. Just the most record scratch moment for me up to this point in terms of footy and sports overall in general, I would say. So we do have to talk about this. So after Cyril Rioli's complaints, previously, we've talked at great length about that. The people in the club, I mean, whoever is there now at Hawthorne, decided to look into this. They conducted an external review and a thorough investigation of 20 First Nations players, I think, and their personal experience with the club. And the contents of the media report got leaked to the ABC journalist 
who covered the story and met with members of the families and their partners who were affected by this. So I have to say that the scandals or stories do involve the head coach at the time who we just mentioned, Alistair Clarkson, the GM of football at the time of Hawthorne, which is Chris Fagan, and player development manager Jason Burt. Yeah, I mean, just so many thoughts and feelings about what happened. Russell Jackson did give the three of those individuals, I think, a 24-hour lead time, which is not unheard of, but a lot of lead time before he released it to the media. And I think it was for a chance for them to answer any questions. But also, typically, I feel like when there is a lead time, the sounding board did discuss this. Sometimes the other party will try and get ahead of the narrative and kind of go and do this wild spin doctor. There's no way to cast these stories in a different light is all I have to say. Definitely Google it, read the article. I don't want to get too much into it, but three different families did speak of their experiences. For the first individual, and these are all impressionable, vulnerable rookie players that were within their first five years of being drafted to the club. So the first individual said that he found out that his partner was pregnant. And when they told the club, they encouraged not only to abort the baby, but for him to tell the partner that she had to terminate her pregnancy, which is crazy to me. I don't know if I've heard that before in any scenario. I mean, you are not their parent, even a parent to say that. Um, You are also just in a coaching role. But I feel like there are some cultures, and I'm just speaking for my own, there may be de facto other father figures. You know, you may come to trust this person, But also in a vulnerable state like that, you might just do what your coach says because I feel like the coaches may have framed it in a way, um, and this is all speculative on my part, that we all have to make sacrifices to become, you know, a professional footy player and potential star. So even though they were told basically to abort the baby, they didn't for the first, but they actually did the second. So That's a crazy thing to me for the second individual. And again, I am just kind of really not breezing through this, but just to get to kind of the info that I really want to know what you guys think. So for the second individual, he found out his partner was pregnant and they basically told him as a club that he had to get rid of his baby and partner their relationship was over and he was going to be living with an assistant coach. And then they showed up at his home. And keep in mind, he's been with his partner for a number of years at this point. And we're in her living room with the player and basically having the player move his things out and telling her that her relationship was over. So it's a little bit like Bill Belichick maybe coming into your living room. No, Nick Saban would probably be better. Nick Saban coming in and telling your partner your relationship is over. He's moving out. I can't even imagine the trauma that followed that. Um, But yeah, just saying that your partner is holding you back from you to fulfill your career and potential is just something I, I don't think I've heard. And it's just wild to me. And there was another individual, too, who they also 
did not care for, again, like I said, that duty of like preserving and protecting mental health. I just don't think they did right by the player. And just to be clear as a club, you are not paying enough for them to be this crazed. I mean, no pay would justify these actions, but your salary really doesn't justify them. And following this, at least at the time of this recording, I really want to know what the next steps are going to be. What is the justice, first of all, in restitution for the players and families that are affected? I know these are alleged stories. I'm not even going to debate with you whether or not this happened. It does certainly make you reconsider when a player says they need a mental health break, what they are going through. It casts a whole different light on that for me personally. But you do have a care of duty to your players. I think the pandemic really brought out the importance of prioritizing and preserving and protecting that. Also, I feel like just being an adult is just knowing and managing your triggers, right? At least that's what adulting is to me anyway. So, so many thoughts right now. I've seen some shit like we have talked about it, private ownership here when all you care about is money, success and winning. But what are we doing as a club member to allow things like this to happen? And can you really enjoy the sport when this is happening potentially behind the scenes, you know? Calm down, Essendon peeps, though. I know we haven't forgotten what we went through. That being said, you know, I'm not going to list out all the penalties that Essendon got when we went through a similar situation. But yes, I will be watching with receipts in hand what happens to both of the coaches. They've temporarily, Fagan's been stood down and... North came out and said after their master coup that, you know, Clarko's start date, I think, was supposed to be November 1st and is now indefinite. So, yeah, what's going to happen to the coaches? As far as I'm concerned, they can never coach again in any capacity. But that's just me personally. With all of these concerns, though, I really want to know with our process for our club and the reviews that we're doing, please be thorough Adam Uze was also part of Hawthorne at that time. So I really want to make sure that we are vetting these coaches completely and thoroughly. And, you know, I have my own feelings about Hurdy. I really appreciate that he came back into the fray and put his hand up. I think, like I said, managing your triggers. I don't know if it's healthy or safe for him to be putting himself into the Essendon position of potentially becoming the coach. Hopefully, you know, he doesn't get the Stephen Bradbury moment of he's the only one still standing at the end of this. And that's how he kind of rides in. But I'm really, really curious about how this is all going to play out. And I really want to know what you guys think too. Sports for me are just really meant to be a distraction from the real world drama that we all deal with, not the cause of it. (laughs) So... Wow, you guys are really going through this with me. I appreciate that so much. Let's just collectively sage the room verbally somehow. I'm really not that person, but, you know, (laughs) I'm going to light a candle after this and just, you know, breathe it all in and just exhale this all out. But thanks so much for letting me vent about that. Now it's the after show, guys, and I'm going to be here for the off season. We have lots to talk about with AFLW. I do have lots of photos to catch you up on. And if I haven't responded to your message or email yet, you'll be hearing from me. 
I'm not kidding. If Geelong takes it all this weekend, I will personally come on here and have my verbal apology for you peeps who I know have pointed out when I said the team was maybe, you know, their management list or their player list was kind of run like a Ponzi scheme back in a previous epi. But anyway, Sydney, (laughs) please rise for Buddy this weekend. I would love for his last game potentially to be the grand final to bookend his career. And I mean, Sydney also paid for this, right? So I'll be watching. I want to know who you guys think will win it all and have a really great weekend. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with Footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk Footy soon.